0: And welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful
1: discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner. We are the co-founders of CoolMomPics.com. Today, we are going to be talking with Betsy Cadell about the college application process. Dun, dun, dun. That needs to like its own sound. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be offering tips to make it less stressful. Yes, it's true. This one is for you, we,
0: parents of teens, or <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) For kids who will be teens, before you know it, trust us when we say this. Mm -hmm. It comes up very fast. It happens so fast. And, of course, as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks
1: of the week. So, Liz... Let's talk a little bit about our fabulous guest. So, Betsy Kadel, I've known her for a very long time, let me just tell you this. She is a college essay specialist with over 30 years' experience as a writer and marketing expert, and I've actually known her, I think, for all 30 of those years. <laughs> <laughs> her company, College Essay Helpers, works with high school juniors to help them write compelling essays to impress admissions officers to increase their chances of getting into that dream school while reducing stress, family tension, and feeling overwhelmed, which is why we wanted to have her here today. She's actually a former advertising copywriter who sold everything from trucks to tampons, (laughs) both important, Yes, and now uses all that marketing savvy to help students who apply to college so they can stand out. Betsy's written two parenting resource books and scripted over 100 how-to tech tutorials for time-strapped moms. She's now an empty nester and an NYC mom to a college junior. And a few things that were not on her resume. I got to know Betsy the summer before freshman year in college because we went to college together to study advertising. She was actually my first college advertising partner and a former Cool Mom Picks contributor. So we know her very well. She is the best possible guest
2: for this, and we're so happy to have her. Welcome, Betsy. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you touched on the fact that you guys were my overlords for four years (laughs)
1: And now we're coming to you for all the advice. Yes. So see, you yes. know how they always say like when you're a kid or when you're in college, like be nice to everybody in the world because they'll come back to your life in interesting ways. And you are proof of that.
2: <laughs> well, you guys were always great. So we're all in good shape.
1: Oh, well, we can't you. believe we're saying this,
0: Liz. I mean, hold on to your closet bar, Liz, <laughs> or whatever it is that's nearby holding, because we have children who are looking into college. How is
1: this possible? How did this happen? I don't know. This is crazy. listeners. You you thought learning the toddler years was hard. This is like a whole new world. It is. It's like starting all over again. So, Kristen, you've got a junior yes. who wants to graduate half a semester early. So, she's like full into it. I have a sophomore who's just starting to poke around because she's taking AP classes. And my stepdaughter is a junior and I'm helping her navigate all of this. So, Betsy has actually been an incredible resource through this. And, Betsy, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you calmed me down when I was like, oh, shoot. How, was I supposed to be doing this like years ago, months ago? Am I behind? Like what's a, And she is just like so calm and so like chill. And I was like, okay, you have to come on because I bet we have a lot of listeners who also have older kids mm-hmm. who are like, ah, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you know, remember that old Lichtenstein thing? Like I forgot to have a baby. I feel like, ah, I forgot to plan for college. <laughs> so Betsy, we'll get to what an essay helper is in a little bit, but I think one of the things that I've discovered about you that's really cool, especially listening to your clubhouse chats, is that you seem to be part of this really cool community of helpers. Like there's guides, coaches, counselors, and you know so much from them. So even though your specialty is college essays, just give me an overview of the kinds of stresses that you're seeing from parents right now. Like are there evergreen stresses and then
2: some that are kind of new with the pandemic? What are you seeing? Well, it's a great question, but what's so interesting is the way you asked it, which is what are the parent stressors, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is actually probably the big uh, red flag here. Ah! (laughs) Kristen just said, is well, if you thought raising toddlers was hard, well, in my opinion, we have become the toddlers. (laughs) Wow, I love (laughs) that. And our kids are the ones who are just trying really hard to grow up and become responsible, resilient young adults who are going to take agency over their own lives. So, Kristen, I love that you said that your daughter was like, taking responsibility for the journey and what she wants to do. But getting back to that question, the big stressors, well, obviously the elephant in the closet, I think we're all recording in our closets, (laughs) (laughs) is the pandemic. Now, Fingers crossed, knocking on veneer, God willing, that is somewhat behind us. Obviously, we need to stay vigilant. Colleges have learned a lot during this time. It started last year, so our kids who are applying, their juniors, that weren't able to necessarily finish up their second semester or trimester the way they had expected, extracurriculars disappeared. So many classes or, or teachers started pass-fail. So now, oh my gosh, what happens to your GPA? So
1: basically- the stuff that we normally rely on for applications, or I should say students rely on. So their grades, their tests, their extracurriculars, their volunteer work, all that stuff disappeared.
2: Yes. But what was really interesting to me as a college essay person was when you stripped all that away, that's the important stuff about your kid, Ooh. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what colleges were dealing with was a year where they did not have what I call the dry data. What I used to say is, look, your grades, your extracurriculars, et cetera, those are not who you are. Those are what you've done. That's a big difference. So my fascination with what I do was discovering and helping kids discover who are they. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they can't discover that if they're so busy being told by their parents, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, or you're not going to win the prize.
1: Uh, what a great silver lining. I love the way you're looking at that, mm-hmm. which is now colleges actually have to start to try to evaluate kids based on who they are Mm -hmm. and what they can contribute Mm -hmm. versus what the numbers look like on paper. That must be hard for the colleges, though, right?
2: It is. And, you know, obviously there's part of me that is like, oh, you know, let me get my world's smallest violin (laughs) (laughs) college. But yeah, there's a reality to it. I mean, it uprooted the game. And I think it's going to be hard to talk about what is it going to look like this coming year or in years to follow based on what we just went through, because it was unprecedented. It was chaotic and decisions were random. And I think that added to a lot of the stress. I think when students and families heard most of colleges went test-optional, because students could not safely take the ACT or SAT, or they just were getting canceled right or left. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, for better or worse, felt like, well, I'm just going to apply to colleges that in any other circumstances, I never would have applied to, which meant we saw increases that were 10, 20, 30, 40, even 100 fold. Oh my
1: gosh. So then the colleges have to change their whole algorithm for acceptance because they're getting more kids than normal. And that means more Kids are applying to more places, and okay, wait, I feel like I'm getting a step ahead of us. Let's let's rewind for a second. This is why, like, you're here because I feel like I'm the voice of the parent who's like, "Oh my god!" But what about this? And what about this? And Kristen's gonna reel me back.
0: Right. <laughs> well, you know, Betsy, Hopefully I will too. Uh, well, I feel we're, like we're, I we're, there's gonna be some reeling out, back. But... So, you know, Betsy, you talked about this idea of really honing in on what your kids enjoy, their passions, you know, all those sorts of things, which I think lends itself well to talk about a timeline. Because I think we hear a lot of college counselor professionals talking about in seventh grade and eighth grade, they take ninth grade, there's the PS, you know, what like they're studying for this. But really, in my mind, it's in those younger years. And listen, we have a lot of listeners with younger middle school age kids, right? In those younger years, isn't that the time really To talk about what they enjoy, putting them in different types of experiences to see, you know, what their strengths are, you know, rather than it being so much about the college and being like, you know, UNC or Duke or whatever. Like, I'd be curious to hear about that because I think that would help parents who are super laid back and freaking out. And it might also help those type A parents who are like, okay, I have started looking at colleges in fifth grade. Talk a little bit more about what's really
2: important in terms of a timeline. Well, I'm vibrating with excitement here because you (laughs) said the magic words to my ears, which are that they are passionate about the things that are meaningful. And I'm going to say that in middle school and young high school years, but at all points, let's encourage kids to pursue those things, the things that give them excitement. If there is something they're being graded on at the end, chances are it's not the thing they're most passionate about. But I'd be curious because I know from both of you, you have super interesting, super socially minded, which, by the way, has become a big, big thing with colleges. Curiosity, nurturing their interests is going to go so much further because at the end of the day, college is just one aspect, but we're raising adults mm-hmm. and we want them to be mentally stable. We want them to have their priorities straight. And so nurturing their curiosities, their interests, and their passions is going to go so much further. And type A and type B parents should listen to me closely. (laughs) That is what is going to help your kids stand up.
1: I'm glad you said that because coincidentally... Betsy. In our OutTech Your Kids Facebook group, there was a thread that was started by someone who said, my seventh grader who has already done all the PSAT practice tests. What can they do next? And I was like, oh, what? I don't know. Seventh go grade. have some fun. Like, I don't <laughs> want to judge. I'm just saying that's the very type A <laughs> end of the spectrum. And there were quite a few parents who were like, oh, mine too. Now you should go to Khan Academy. Or da, 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 da. And I kind of jumped in quietly like, well, my understanding is that your kids are going to be tested out. <laughs> like, By the time they have to take the real SATs in your year, like, just like let them enjoy some seventh grade or eighth grade or ninth grade. Is that good advice? Is that terrible
2: advice? No, it's perfect advice. And that's being driven by the parents because there's no, would you say ninth grade or seventh Seventh, grade? seventh, yeah. None of them are begging to take a PSAT <laughs> unless they have been programmed by their parents to believe that that is where their self-worth is. And the earlier that we get them thinking about this stuff, the more they're going to feel pressure. They won't feel like they can make mistakes. There is such a thing as toxic perfectionism. And I say this as a recovering helicopter parent. There was a lot of discussion. And Kristen, it even sounds like maybe early on you might have had a little of this, which is I was keeping a serious eye on grades and involvement saying, yeah, you have to study or else you're not going to get into X, Y, Z. Or this school doesn't want a B student. They're looking for A students. I want to kick my own butt if I were that flexible, but I'm not. So yeah, that's way, way too early. It creates something that none of us Want in our children, which is contributing to the mental health epidemic. And I can't stress that enough. My big, big thing, and if I can do this on this podcast or for anyone, is take a breath. And one thing I will tell you that I do think eases the stress is we've been indoctrinated to believe it's so hard to get into college. So would it make people feel better to know that the majority of colleges have an acceptance rate of over 66%? and that the schools that you hear are impossible to get into, you're really talking about 10 to 20 colleges out of Thousands. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you probably have a certain perspective. I will just point this out because you're in NYC and you're probably dealing with a lot of parents who want their kids to go to a top tier school. Like not every parent is looking for an Ivy or even a Stanford or U Michigan or Duke, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of different colleges that are right for a lot of different kinds of kids.
0: Well, don't you think, too, Betsy, that the shift needs to get away from this whole status that accompanies college acceptance, right? Like there is this like. Yeah. There's this celebration and now we're doing the reveal where like you have the videos of the kids watching their screen and then everyone erupting in joy. And, you know, what's interesting is I recently spoke to a sports psychologist about, you know, sports parents. And I think the same thing that he spoke about to them can actually be applied to college parents, which is, are you showing the same sort of excitement and joy that you are with your child's college choice, right? Or as he put it, with their sports achievements in other areas of their life because there are hidden messages or unwritten messages that you are giving them that they could be saying the college is really important my grades and my SAT scores are really important. The other stuff is not. Same as, you know, he used the sports parent example. You know, scoring a goal is the most important thing to me. So are you asking your kids, you know, oh, well, so what's going on with your friends? Or like, how's that going? Or tell me about that craft you were making. Like, get excited about other things so that this doesn't carry so much weight. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off base, but that, that's, that's just kind of where I'm coming at it from.
2: No, you're Completely on all the bases. You're,
0: you're going to win right. the game.
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you win, Kristen. Woo-hoo, you win. Woo. That's exactly right. I mean, when our kids feel that their self worth is tied to something that the parents have determined, that means if you've decided from the time the child's born, and by the way, like when you announce that you're pregnant and people go, Are you having a boy or girl? And you go, Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Just so long as it goes to Harvard.
1: There are people like that that we both know, Betsy. I think we went to college with people like that. They're like, I went to BU, but my kid's going to Harvard. Right, right. (laughs)
2: Exactly that. You didn't use the word exactly, but we are telegraphing to our kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what makes them worthwhile. And whether we say that explicitly or not, that is what they're taking in. So even once we develop a great college list, and that's a huge area to reduce the stress, by the way, Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you as a parent have decided that X is absolutely the school they should get into that they should go to, regardless of whether you're talking about Ivys or anything. What happens if they don't get in? Mm -hmm. And all you've done is talk about how great the school is, how, yeah, you know what? Just study hard. If you just get that X grade on your SATs or your AP test or whatever, that's going to help you get in. It's totally random. There are so many factors that we are unaware of. Or if you want to do deep dives, I can tell you exactly how to find out some of that information. (laughs) And it is out there. I feel like the X-Files, the truth is out there.
1: (laughs) You know, let me get back to something you were saying in the beginning, because you were talking about how parents are having stresses, but that's not the way we should look at it. We should look at what students are feeling. And actually, you gave me this amazing analogy when we were talking a few weeks ago where you were talking about designer clothes. Do you remember that? Yeah.
2: So what I say is if you are a parent looking to send your kid to an Ivy, I have kids that go to the Ivies. I don't feel any more or less successful when they go to Yale than when they go to some other school. It just has to be the right fit. I want the kids to be happy. But my analogy was, If you're label shopping if you're brand shopping and you decide you need a white t-shirt so you are going to go into gucci to buy it because it's gucci and it's the brand name you buy this thing and it is a fortune and you feel super uncomfortable in the store because you know it's like that pretty woman scenario (laughs) like what are you doing here and you buy it and it looks like garbage on you it feels uncomfortable but hey it's gucci so it must be great Well, I am queen of Target. I would so much rather go to Target, (laughs) pay a fraction of the cost and feel like I got the right thing for the right price and it's exactly what I'm comfortable in. Sometimes people spend more time, by the way, researching where they're going to have dinner on a Saturday night than they do where their kid's going to go to school or where they're going to go on vacation. Like sometimes when you're just saying, well, this is the expensive or the well-known place with the big reputation. So that's going to go on our list. Versus here are the things I'm looking for in the experience. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you could go to Nobu because you hear it's great, but it's a fortune. Not everybody
1: is a Nobu person, right? Like not everybody's a Gucci person. Not everybody's a Harvard person. And, you know, it's funny because we I mean, we always joke because we went to BU. I applied to BU early decision. That is where I wanted to go. That's it. I had all my friends in high school wanted to go to like Michigan and Harvard and MIT and, you know, and they did. That's not where I wanted to go. That's not any place that had what I wanted. I just like your reminder that you have to do what fits. But since we're talking about what fits for your kids, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about this idea of kind of a child-led process for schools. Like how can we empower our kids when it's time to get involved so that we're not helicoptering them or taking on all the stresses for ourselves, that they feel empowered and invested in the process. And I imagine, Betsy, just to jump in quickly, that there is some level,
0: and I I can't spout off studies that say this, but we've seen it in other aspects of kids' lives, that when they have agency, right, when they have skin in the game, Mm -hmm. they are going to be more interested, more attentive, maybe even more successful because they were the driving force. It's their identity. It's not tied to their parents. They were a part of that process, or maybe they were the entire process. As someone who has a child who I've basically said, I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you, whatever you need from me. But like, this is on you to get to the place where you want to be. And I'm happy to help you and show you how to do it. But you've got to put the energy in. Talk a little bit about
2: that. Yes, exactly what you said. And you used the words that I would say is providing guidance is important. Giving them direction but also giving them the space and showing them, I know you've got this because we're trying to create successful human beings that can thrive once they get to school. So if we look at this as a process where the end game is that acceptance letter, but they have not learned how to handle things on their own, how to do their own assignments, how to think or write or take ownership over things. They are not really going to be in a great position once they get there. And we are not there to hold their hands. We should be there to put our hands together and applaud their successes and cheer them on. But I think part of it is it's unrealistic to say to a kid, all right, it's college time, figure it out. (laughs) We do need to provide uh, resources. And one of the funniest, weirdest first steps, and I told you this, Liz, and it seems so silly, But it makes kids feel really good and it's a great first step is have them set up an email account that is specifically dedicated to only college Hmm. stuff.
1: Oh, I love this. Like so a great idea. Liz Gumbener college applications at gmail.com or whatever.
2: Exactly. So nothing cutesy, something that is specific to this. And it's weird, but it's like, hey, this is mine Hmm. and it's my login and Then what we do need to do is remind them, look, part of being an adult, and I'm still teaching my 21-year-old this, (laughs) you have to look at your emails. So you train them to check that email every single day but the other thing is it belongs to them and they're beginning their college search and that's something that they can do in 10th grade as they start to research these things a lot of the data is for sale so the minute you sign up for the common app in your junior year which you can do and it is open or any of these other sites
1: Or AP tests, right? The College Board. AP
2: test or for FAFSA, for financial aid. That is information that's out there. The College Board does share your information. So all of a sudden you're getting a ton of emails, but that can add to some of the excitement. And, you know, we used to get piles of letters And they're like, you have caught our attention. It's like, based on what you (laughs) said you know, very weird. I
1: know a really lovely high school kid who said to me, I'm getting so many catalogs, I think because I did really well on the PSATs. And I was like,
2: oh, I think they just sold your name.
0: But (laughs) maybe, maybe you (laughs) did really well. (laughs) But I
2: will also say it's a good place to start just to see what kind of communication is out there. I'm going to come back to the email one more thing, and this is also great at exciting them, but also is a big part of the process is something called demonstrated interest. So for listeners who may not know what that is, that means colleges more than ever with very sophisticated AI and algorithms do track how interested is your student. And they do that by seeing when they send an email, did your student open it? How quickly did they open it? Did they click on the link? Did they read the article? Was there something that they asked them to fill out? Have you followed them on social media? So when a college does that, and there are some schools that that carries a lot of weight, some big and some smaller schools, that that's really important to them. Don't leave anything on the table. You never want to say, darn it, if I just spent a little more time checking my email. The other big tip, by the way is as your child starts to develop a list of schools they think they may be interested in based on qualities, not brand names, please, is look at the student newspaper. So whenever we would go on tours, we would pick up the college newspaper, which was written by the students. Because as my son says, everything looks better in the brochure. I
1: love that tip, by the way, because that's where you find out like, oh, what do you mean? The school is doing this thing that the students are really unhappy about or they pulled this play because it was too controversial or like you'll get the student perspective on what they like and what they don't like about the school. A
2: hundred percent. And there are more and more sites cropping up that allow you to communicate directly with students. You know, that there are obviously websites that do that, but now there are things where you can connect with students and really get... A dialogue going on what day-to-day life is like. So the more a student knows about the qualities of a college experience, the more excited they're going to get. The more excited they are, the harder they work to get in. That's a big thing. Kristen, you talked about passion projects. That to me is the most important thing we can do because it may help them decide what they want to major in, what they may not want to have anything to do with, or just decide I really love pottery. I got really into pottery this year. I'm not gonna major in it, but it's important. I wanna look for a school that has an art studio and that's a club that I can do, or those are courses that I can take. If you have a student who is LGBTQ, that's gonna factor in because there are certain schools, collegepridebytheway.com is a great initial resource to look into what colleges are particularly fantastic for that category of kids. Beyond that, looking at the environment outside, okay, great, so you have a campus that's super inclusive, but what if you're in a town that's super, super conservative, and you want to go in for pizza in the town, and all of a sudden, maybe you're not feeling so welcome. There's a lot beyond just the brand name or the academics. There's a whole culture that we need to think about, and we haven't even begun to talk about financial aid, merit aid, affordability, First oh my strand. gosh,
1: we should have you back and just do an entire thing on financial aid. a—I know that's a whole topic. Oh, it is. But listen, Betsy, yeah. I really want to get to what you do as an essay helper. But first, one of the things I learned from you, which I thought was really interesting, but also created some stress for me, is how many different people are out there to help you. And I know the idea of help should be less stressful, but there's like counselors, there's testing coaches, there's people who can audit your college choices and help you pick which are your reaches and which are your safeties There's financial aid. It seems like there's a lot of people. So I'm wondering if you can tell us, like, is there a priority? Like, not everyone has a zillion dollars also to hire a full team of tutors and coaches to help us navigate this process. Is there any one person or anything in particular besides an essay helper, of course, that you think is worth looking at?
2: (laughs) Well, it is a good question because we think about the things we prioritize in life. And a lot of us have no problem hiring a plumber to come in and do a bunch of work or an electrician or whatever specialists for things that we need to do. And it can be really expensive things when we're talking about contractors and stuff. We don't think twice about it. We may get a few estimates, but you're like, well, the work needs to be done. Now you're talking about an investment that could cost as much as a house some places. Mm -hmm. Some of these people can help save you Thousands, ten thousands by being knowledgeable about putting together a really well balanced list based on what is realistic and also saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, that's a great school, but this is incredibly similar with all the things that you've said are important to you. And they give generously financial aid or merit aid or the tuition is 20000 less year. You know, the goal is not to graduate with crushing debt. Expert upon expert, sociologist upon sociologist will say, if given the choice between a more expensive school and a less expensive school, when you're weighing your final options, go to the less expensive school. That is really important. So how do we decide what we need, what's out there. One term is called an IEC. That's an independent education consultant. These are people who have taken certifications and you want to check for that. They are incredibly well-informed. They go on college tours. They have relationships with the admissions officers. They know their stuff. They can potentially help you fill out financial aid forms. Some of them can help with test prep. Some of them are going to be doing list generation. Some of them can give you critical advice. We did use someone, which is partially how I got here, who my son hated language in school. And we spoke to them the summer before junior year. And she said, yeah, I know you hate it, but you may actually decrease your chances of options. And I use the word options Mm -hmm. because many schools may say, we want four years of a language. And we would have never known that otherwise and frankly it didn't end up matter but it
1: sounds like an iec is taking the job that when we were kids went to your high school guidance counselor yes. has that changed because our counselors in school used to be the people who like knew everything about every college and helped you and guided you i don't get the sense that that's much of a thing anymore with high schools is that wrong
2: i would say yes and no mm-hmm. i think guidance counselors are well meaning i think that they can also be dealing with their one to many mm-hmm. Yeah. So an IEC obviously has a much smaller roster. Mm-hmm. Guidance counselors can be hugely helpful. Sometimes it's just bandwidth. I've had students say, they don't get back to me, or I've met them twice in four years. A job of someone that you get involved with for hire is they get to know your student inside and out and they're helping make really informed decisions. Guidance counselors can be wonderful and they can be a great second set of eyes with some parts of the application. It's not that they aren't important or don't exist, but if you're at a school with 5,000 kids and they have the budget for two guidance counselors, what's the level of service you think you're going to get? There are people at every price point. So I have a list of resources who range from 20 bucks an hour to, they can be $200 an hour and they just do different things. There are packages you can pay a la carte in some cases. It is both an investment, but it can also end up saving you a ton of money in the long yeah. run. Yeah,
0: people need to look at the long game. Let's just say you're looking at SAT prep and you have someone like you said who you know you didn't know that you needed four years of language and all this stuff. Then you are looking at possibly having to take more courses or maybe not being able to get as much financial aid as you needed. You know, the cost up front, like you said, could save you in the long run. But of course, the privilege to be able to pay for someone is not something that is afforded to everybody. But I think that that there's also a misnomer in terms of how much it costs and what you can get. Because I know, you know, let's talk about you, right? You are helping with the college essay, which is such an important part of the application, particularly now. I'm just thinking of parents out there who are like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have the money to pay for an IEC or all these counselors. Honing in on something like the college essay could be a huge value add for someone who is looking to get some scholarships, maybe go to a school that they can't necessarily afford, afford, afford. I'm just trying to think of All the parents out there who I know, like me, are like, okay, how am I going to pay for this? Who should I spend my money on? Do I need SAT prep? What's the case for what you do, Betsy? Because I know you're so amazing at it and I know you've helped so many students. So, like, elevator pitch us. Tell us why this is so needed.
2: So, essays are more important than ever. They've always been amongst the top criteria of what an admissions officer is going to be looking at. You'll hear different statistics, but you've got to figure an admissions officer spends for your entire application somewhere between five and 10 minutes. So you really need to wow them. God, that's depressing. I know. (laughs) I mean, how many years? And again, getting back to the seventh graders who are worried about this stuff, you've got five to 10 minutes to wow them. There are now more and more colleges using artificial intelligence. They're feeding applications through algorithms, where you're automatically going into one pile or another based on just strict things like GPAs or SAT scores or whatever. What they cannot ever farm out in that respect is an essay, which I actually think is a misnomer. It's a story. This is storytelling. Mm. And it's a type of writing that no student is used to doing. So that is one reason why I think it's so important to get support on some level with your college essay. They have written academic materials. Maybe they've even done creative writing, but creative writing is fictional. With an essay specialist, with what I do, is I do a really deep dive. And it is sort of part life coach, part therapy, a lot of self-exploration before we ever decide what are we going to write about? You know, what's your topic? What are you excited to tell them? It may be the most mundane little thing that makes for an incredible essay versus people feel like I have nothing to say, nothing big ever happened to me or nothing traumatic. So how am I going to tell a sob story? They're not looking for a sob story. They're looking for personal growth. They are looking for insights about who you are. They are looking for your authentic voice. And while I know it seems like there's an irony to hiring someone to help your child find their authentic voice, it actually works. It actually is there. You want to run from any advisor, any specialist who will do the work for your child. I will not write a single word for any student I work with, but I will prompt them. I will ask questions. I will challenge them. So, Kristen, when you talk about your daughter's interests, some parents may say, oh, well, my daughter did this or, you know, when they were five, we lived abroad, so we should write about that, right? Or, oh, don't forget to put in that you took this class and this class and this class. I am qualified to say these are the things that are going to stand out or this is just a written resume or the way you're telling this story is a recap and you're not showing your growth. And the most important part is to show what qualities Mm -hmm. you possess that make you an attribute. To the campus. So the fallacy of we're looking for a well-rounded student, it's actually they're looking for a well-rounded class and a well-rounded campus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's really important to show them that you are going to get there, not just what you did in the past, but who you are as a person, being someone that they can see contributing and being a great member of their community.
0: Oh, Betsy, I feel relaxed already. I, I know. think I just need to like listen to a recording of you just saying all those things over and over. And I know... We're not alone. You you said yourself that you're part essay helper, part therapist, part cheerleader. All from
1: the perspective of a recovered helicopter.
0: Yes. Which which I think is is very valuable. Which is really, (laughs) really fantastic. So, listen, we're going to link everything up that we talked about. There was so much great information. Maybe even more. Wow. Resources. (laughs) And of course, where folks can find you. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, College Essay Helpers, and Clubhouse. Folks, if you're not on Clubhouse yet, find someone who can get you an invite. Get on there because Betsy is at Betsy Cadell. It's B-E-T-S-Y-C-A-D-E-L. And you are hosting so many valuable chats. They're free. They involve lots of different voices and people and opinions. And it's such a valuable resource. Even if you're not like Liz and I and we have kids that are like close to college age, like even if you've got middle schoolers, it's just stuff that is good to like get in your brain so that when you get to the time that we're at now, you're not free. Out like us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Listen, when I went on one of Betsy's Clubhouse chats and I asked my first ever Clubhouse question, and I said, Ooh. I prefaced it by saying I am a Type B mom. Uh-huh. I haven't even thought about this stuff, and I'm shocked I'm even asking a question. <laughs> so, See, you do It doesn't have to be like the tiger mom thing. Like you don't have to be micromanaging your kids' college application process. And and I'm glad we've come full circle on that because it's it's just really helpful, Yay. Betsy. Which is why also my kids are gonna. You know, we're going to be hiring you, You're going to be helping them <laughs> with their essays, so I can step on out. Yes, awesome. you know
2: that's the biggest thing. Is like, well, why should I hire you? It's like the scrubbing bubbles. You know, we work hard so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really honest to God. It was what got me into this was seeing the difference between the stress and anxiety and tension in the family prior to bringing someone into the process, and when we brought someone in. And I could step out of it. Ugh. So every conversation was not about college. See,
0: and that's so important for your relationship, right? Like that is yes. so important for your relationship with your child. Because by the way, they're going to be leaving soon. You don't want your last year, two <sighs> years with them in your house to just be stress talk about their grades, about their activities. So Betsy, I love this so much. Thank you for joining us. You're going to stick around for Cool picks of the Week, right? I am.
2: And I do want to just add about that club house thing Mm -hmm. i appreciate the plug i do a room every friday at 4 p.m eastern standard and what i did want to let people know is now clubhouse is doing a thing where with certain links you no longer need an invite to join oh great next week when i post or whenever this airs every week you can go to my facebook page or whatever uh the link that you see if you do not have an invite to clubhouse will automatically get you into clubhouse That's excellent
1: well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Betsy, as our special guest, you get to go first. What's your cool pick?
2: I feel like a teenager when I got, oh my God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> by... <laughs> <laughs> but I am obsessed with this product called Rocket Book Fusion. Ooh. It's inexpensive. It's under 35 bucks, and it is a reusable notebook. Whoa. What that means is you use a very specific by Pilot called the Friction Pen, the Pages are glossier than writing on like a Surface or an iPad or something. And it has this very cool thing where you check a specific box in a specific part of the page and then you use their app, the Rocket app. You scan the page and it automatically sends it to wherever you want it, whether that's Google Drive to a specific folder, whether you want to email it, whether you want it to go to Evernote, whatever it is. And if your writing is somewhat neat, it will actually translate it into type. If it's like mine, you'll have a graphic of of the page that you took a picture of, But it organizes things and then you have a microfiber cloth, you dampen it and you wipe the stuff clean. It also has agendas, it has task setters, so you can use it so many ways and I love it. So that is my cool mom pick.
1: Yay! Awesome. Actually, Kristen, I could see um, Quinlan totally yes, jumping in on that. Super cool. So what's your cool pick, Kristen? So you know what's really funny, Liz, is that I was at our local bookstore,
0: mm-hmm. which is kind of weird that I got this product at a bookstore. But hey, bookstores, you know, they're doing everything they can, especially—so, by the way, patronize your local bookstore. <laughs> I found these things called food huggers, and they're these little silicone gadgets that basically make it easy to save, like, halves of things at as in halves of limes or lemons or avocados, if you're the kind of person who can somehow leave half of an avocado out and not eat it. And they just cover it up so you're not like struggling with saran wrap, which again is kind of wasteful. They are so clever. And I got home and I was so excited to write them up on Cool Mom Eats. Meanwhile, you had put the post up that we had done on Cool Mom Eats a few years back that actually included these products. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, about our favorite like little kitchen gadgets under $20. Yeah, they're so good. They're under 20
1: bucks. Yes, that's right. We had the avocado one. Yeah. So
0: I use them for limes, lemons, avocados. You can like put them over a can of tomato paste. You know, shout out to my friends out there who, you know how it goes. You need one tablespoon of tomato paste, you don't need a whole can. These are so, so awesome. They're called food huggers. We'll link them up, of course, on our podcast page. Liz, what about you? Well, you
1: know, I'm thinking Mother's Day, which is coming up before we know it. Yeah. Like it's this coming weekend. It's crazy. You know, it may be a little late to get some. Gifts online, but this is a good one to just keep in mind or bookmark, or maybe you want to buy it for yourself. So Kate, our editor, put together a really clever list of home office gifts for moms who may be working from home forever. forever. And I love that the, it's not just like get her some cords or some cable <laughs> organizers. Like it's still like very gifty in Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. Like I, re- I really like it, and th- there's some great stuff in there. But one of my favorites, there's a company called Here for the Burn. <laughs> It's a candle company. <laughs> they had actually sent me one to try out and they're really nice. They're like nice smelling, but they have really funny, clever labels. And so there's one that says social distancing from my family. <laughs> That. And I amazing. thought that was like the best. You know, they have other ones. Like one says call your mother. Like they have really clever, um, Betsy. It feels like a, a former copywriter went and started a candle company. They're really cute. <laughs> but I love social distancing from my family. I just thought that was like a really oh, great so gift great. for pretty much anybody working at home. Yes. And um, it's a fun company here for the burn.com, and we'll link it all up on our podcast page as well. All right. Well, thanks for joining
0: us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our guest, Betsy Cadell and our chorus our amazing engineer, John Bowen. And if you've got a moment and you can leave us a five-star review, you know what? Womp womp, Liz. Our last review that had words on Apple Podcasts was in February. So my challenge to you listeners right now. That's like a a half a pandemic. I know. Let's go, people. (laughs) Chop, chop. Leave us a little review. You don't have to say anything much. Just say, that was great. Or love you guys. Give us a five-star review. And when you do that, along with subscribing and downloading our episodes, if you can, it helps other listeners find us. Which, of course, we would love.
1: More. The more, the merrier. Plus, you can join us in our Spawned podcast community on Facebook. Just search Spawned podcast community. we chat about the show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. I'm hoping we can get a good conversation going about college. Because I know there's going to be a lot more questions and we would love to answer them more so thank you so much for listening to Spawned this is Liz and this is Kristen have a great day bye